if you look at a company and you say, wait, look at how efficient it is, but it's not translating to, to total dollars coming up because guys, at the end of the day, we spend money. We don't spend margin. We spend dollars. We spend, we spend currency. Hello and welcome to the Black Line Podcast. Back from Jamaica, man. Yeah, man. Mike, Mike, how was the how was the red stripe? The red stripe, uh, that was quite a bit consumed. But let 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 let's be honest. Although I got back and I had a Miller Lite, and I'm like, oh god, this is, tastes much better. I was going to say, let, let, let's be honest. If if red stripe wasn't served in a in a big mouth glass and you weren't drinking in Jamaica, you would say basically, "Oh my god, this tastes like shit." Yeah, it's like Corona in Mexico. Ever go to Mexico and order Corona? They look at you like you're yeah. nuts. It's like going to Ocean City and ordering a uh, and not, and ordering a Corona. They look at you like you're nuts. You're supposed to order natural light with the with the wine. It's called a Snow Hill Corona. So you are an Ocean City guy. So what, what about Natty Bo? Is like Natty Bo not an Ocean City thing? It's too much. Uh, no, it, it is. It, it, it is big Baltimore, but obviously. Uh, Natty Bo is a crappy beer too. Yeah. Disgusting. But Natural Light is big in Ocean City. You know, that's pretty. I remember Natural Light. Holy cow. Those were the days. I hated Natural Light. Yeah. Milwaukee's best. The Beast. Red, white, and blue. Mad Dog. Yep. Let's let's really age and date ourselves here. But you're young, actually. I'm the old one here. Get off my lawn. You, yeah, you are old. I'm, I'm still. I'm. I'm getting up there in age. That's for sure. You're looking at it too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my wife reminds me of that all the time. Alrighty, Mike. So uh, you are you are rested and ready. Well, we'll see. What were you? Uh, what what what? It's been, lot, it's been a lot of catch up, as you know, going on vacation. Then you come back, and it's like you got hundreds and hundreds of fires to put out. Uh, I was going to say something, but it like went in and out, and uh, it, there was like yeah, just too many uh, too many choices. It was it was overwhelming. Yeah. It was an overwhelming experience, and I couldn't I couldn't talk. So, what has your ire up today? What do you what what, what what's on your mind? What are we going to talk? What are we going to talk about today? Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of folks out there talking about cost of acquisition, uh, customer acquisition costs going up, um, and all kinds of different strategies. When did sales become customer acquisition? You mean the the terminology change? Like, like all of a sudden acquisition became like this super, I just think it's funny. I mean, I I use it now all the time too, but I get it. Well, our acquisition strategy. I mean, I remember when they first started talking about it, I'm like, wait, are they buying companies? That's what acquisition used to be. Well, and, and, that's in their, and, and some companies are buying customers. They are buying customers. Ain't that the truth? Ain't yeah. that the truth? All right, sorry. Yes, customer acquisition costs. CAC. CAC, LTV, lifetime value, you know, all the uh, – all the buzzwords so, that the, the, the VCs have, have created. Hey, let's, let's target our cost per lead. I think everyone started watching Shark Tank. I think that's where the problem was. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. 
you know, Mr. Wonderful, whatever that, you know, whatever the hell his name is, what's your customer acquisition cost? You don't know your customer acquisition cost. Um, you know what? Ask me what my customer acquisition cost is. What's your customer acquisition cost, Doug? What What would you like it to be, Mike? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> move, move, move the money around. You could easily do it. You know, right? You know, oh, no, no, no. That That's not marketing. That's product development. Yeah. Yep, right. I'm I'm with you. Right, right. Um, yeah. So there's all um, there's all kinds of stuff. We're we're you know you know. I mean, like, like, so if, for example, like in, in in all transparency, like when we were thinking about raising capital, we were putting together CAC numbers and and, and all of that because it's obviously a requirement. Um, and so I put together some CAC numbers, and, and uh, Eric looks at me and goes, "Dude, these are these are bullshit." I'm like, well, why? And he said, well, because you're not being, well, for, for, for instance, you know, you're not taking a huge salary, the salary that you should be, this is, you know, and therefore it's, it's, it's not a true calculation. I'm like, yeah, but this is our real. And he's like, yeah, but it, it, it's fabricated. So there, there's all kinds of ways that you can fabricate this stuff. Um, hey, all you got to do is just put the word pro forma in front of it and then it's fine. Yeah. Right. Is pro, pro forma is the Latin word for bullshit, right? Yep. Right. I mean, it, you, you made up your, your ramp, right? You made up what, what, what's your five-year revenue ramp, right? Yep. Here's how I'm going to get to 50 million in five years. And today I only have $5,000 in, in total revenue. <laughs> oh, my. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tweet. I promise everybody we're going to get to customer acquisition costs and cost per lead and all that other fun stuff. I was talking to um, a startup company today, um, founder, founder, CTO, two people on there. And, um, you know, of course they're showing me they're, uh, they want to have a go to market conversation. And so they start off and they're demoing the product for me. And I don't, I, I don't know if I'm unusual here, but what went through my head, I'm probably going to turn off anybody that ever wants to do business with me now. Um, what went through my head is I could care less about what does the product have to do with going to market? Right. You know, and, and I realize that sounds bad, but it, it's kind of like, you know, Hey, let's talk about go to market, right? Let, let, I'm going to assume that your product does what, what you tell me your product does. But, and, and it's funny when, when we finished, I said, well, look, I've got three observations. Here's, you know, my first observation at the risk of, of sounding like a marketer. I said, the best mousetrap very rarely wins. I said, I heard a whole lot from you about, you know, we're, bit, we're better than this. We're best, 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 best. What's your, what's your biggest barrier? Well, you know, our product needs to be better than. I'm like, well, we, <laughs> you know, their, biggest their biggest competitor. Well, we're better than them. We have a better product. I'm like, yeah, well, they're, you, you keep doing that. They're just going to outsell you. And, um, and you know, it's not going to make any difference. And, and, and so what, what came about, you know, when we were talking about, you know, what's your demand generation strategy, what's your customer acquisition strategy, it, it ends up, um, you know, oh, we don't need to worry about that yet. We, you know, all, we're agile, you know, we need to be agile. We can't have, we can't have these big plans, right? We don't know what's going to happen. We need to be agile. Uh, and I was telling Jess earlier today, I realized why agile doesn't work for so many people and why marketers have such a big problem with agile is, they they don't understand what agile is right agile is not willy-nilly agile is not um it's not opportunistic right agile is 
you, you can only be agile in, in the agile form if, if the outcome, if the target, if the milestone, and, and actually I think it's not just if the milestone, but the milestone and the next milestone, right? You can't just plan, you know, you can't just plan next one. week or, or two right. weeks from now. Right. 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 But, but it's like, you know, when you're, when you're working on release 1.1, you probably better have an idea of what release 1.2 is going to be about to make sure that what you do in release 1.1 doesn't blow up what, where you need to go. Right. Cause right. And then you have to re, re yeah. you have to refactor everything. Right. 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 Yep. And, and, and so the, the issue is, um, cause you know, I was trying to say, you know, where, where do we want to, where do we need to be in three years is, is where the conversation was coming. And, and again, this will all trace to uh, customer acquisition costs. Um, but you know, where, where do you want to be in three years? And he's like, look, I'm, I'm not funded. You know, I didn't have, you know, we're privately funded. We're private, you know, what you, you get what I'm saying. Um, so I don't, you know, so I don't have to worry about meeting a board expectation or this or that. He's like, look, I already, you know, I, I know my one year goal, I, I could be off by, uh, you know, a factor of X. I mean, if we're talking about three years, I, you know, I could be anywhere who, who, who knows. And I said, well, 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 I get that. Right. And, and kudos to you that you don't have to deliver an arbitrary number to a board because they gave you some money. Um, I said, but if you don't know the outcome, if we don't know where we're going, how, how can we know what to do? How much is too much? Are we on target? Are we off target? And that's when they said, well, you know, we don't have time for these big plans and this and that. We need to be agile. And, and, I, and I, unfortunately, I only thought of it after I hung, it's always that way, right? You hang up the yeah. phone and then you think, oh. 2020, yep. Um, but what I, what I realized is that, you know, agile is dependent on there being absolute clarity and context of the outcome that you're pursuing, right? So, so agile is not all things flexible. Agile is super clear user story outcome. Yep. Absolutely flexible in the journey to that outcome. Deployment methodology, right. What? Deployment of it. Right, right. But, but also like, how, how are we going to build it? What's this? It's like, yep. hey, as long as it does this, right? But if you're not absolutely clear on what that outcome is, how, how can you be agile, right? Because you're going to be all over the place and, and you're not going to know where you're, you know, you, you don't know the waypoint you're going to. So, so how do you know that you've, you've gotten off track? And, and I realized, I, and I'm going to tweet this, I'm going to say, you know, if, if, if founder CTOs treated their product the way most founder CTOs treat demand generation, sales, and marketing, there would be no product that we have to worry about taking to market. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but absolutely. Like, oh yeah, well we, I mean, we're just going to build the product. We don't know what the product's going to be yet. Cause you know, who, who knows what we're going to find out. Right. And so <laughs> right that it's, oh yeah, it's just sales and marketing and, and, um, Product's going to sell itself. I, and, I, don't, uh, I don't understand it, sales and marketing. I'm an engineer. Yeah. Guess what? In, sales and marketing is an engineered process. Yeah. Why, why would you not engineer it anymore? Like, why, why would you pay less attention to engineering your revenue generation process than, than, than your product development process? Um, so anyways, that, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from today. And, and, and I'm thinking about cost per. So did you close oh, so the deal? Um, it was the first conversation. We'll, we'll I know. I'm, I'm totally kidding. You know, yeah. when, when, 
Well, it's funny you say that because we, you know, we start with free assessment, right? And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I mean, they're like doing due diligence on a free assessment. I'm exaggerating here a little bit. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I almost said to him, I'm like, hey, guys, look, if, if, if I need to sell a free assessment this hard, then, then maybe like the timing's not right. Maybe we shouldn't do anything. Um, and, and I say that and I think, well, how many people, how many people have sales teams or channels set up to sell freemium? I mean, that's what we're doing. We're selling freemium. Yeah. Yep. Right? We're out there selling freemium. And then we say, I lowered my cost of customer acquisition because I just acquired a new customer who doesn't pay me anything. Someone explain that to me. I, I don't, I, I, I right. can't. Right. I mean, when I look at, I, I mean, let's make sure I'm, and, and, and let, let's make sure I'm not wrong here. I looked at, there's a very interesting study about freemium and this and that, and it shows customer acquisition, cost growth, et cetera. And, and customer acquisition costs are sales and marketing, right? Divided by, total customers mm -hmm. and freemium customers are considered customers. Yep. Right. I mean, I'm not foolish here. Am I? No. Cause if I am, we're editing that whole thing out. Just. <laughs> um, and, and so here, here's the thing that I find interesting about what is, what is in some circles is becoming an obsession with cost per. And, and I know I'm going to hit one reason why I think where the origin of this obsession came. But it's funny because a revenue gain business, side of the business, like we're, when I grew up, when I got in business back before the telephone. 40 years ago. Uh, not quite 40 years ago, thank you. Um, but, but when I got into business, the VP of sales, the VP of marketing, they thought about gain. And, and as a matter of fact, the complaint about all of them was that they don't think about costs, right? Hell, they'd spend anything because they care about gain, right? And now we're charging all these people who are supposed to be thinking about gain, about growth, about revenue, right? About income. We're now charging them to, to, to obsess about cost. Yep. Right? Um, and, and we're obsessing about cost and it's a beautiful thing, um, in the name of efficiency. Now I believe there's two reasons why cost per and customer acquisition cost, and, and, and please don't mistake this customer acquisition cost is really important. It, it's, it's part of your economic model and your economic model is, well, it's kind of important if you want to be profitable. But, but you know what's funny? Who, is, who are all the people? Like if I, put all the, if I put the top 100 companies that talk, 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 talk about customer acquisition costs, cost per lead, cost per sale, right? What percentage of those companies are profitable? Very little. Uh, I'd say zero. Yeah, probably. You're absolutely right. Probably zero. I would say the top 1,000 people that, that have any that level of and talk about that. Yeah. Like if you take the thousand thought leaders that work at companies that are out there running around talking about thought leadership, I am pretty confident that none of them 
if you were to account fully are profitable. Right. I'd agree. Yeah, again, either a very, very small percentage of them or like a okay, so I single was, digit wrong. percentage or, well, well no, I'm wrong. not saying wrong. No, I'm wrong. There's a percentage. There's a percentage. Because someone's going to come and, it's and gotta say, single, it's gotta I'm wrong. Single digit. Right, I'm yep. Wrong. So of a thousand, there's sure as hell not more than a hundred. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why do they talk about cost? Why, why do they talk about cost per lead, customer acquisition costs, et cetera? Well, because they can't talk about profitability. Yeah. Right. And so they needed to find something to say, see, this makes sense. This see, this is, is working. This is working. This is how we're growing, et cetera. Right. 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 See, because we're becoming more efficient. Mm -hmm. Right. Except in the 1980s, we're becoming more efficient was the battle cry of manufacturers who almost all went out of business. They were going bankrupt. And the more efficient they got, the, the more money they lost. Right. And, and, and so we'll circle to that. So I wrote a blog post. Um, several months to a few years ago. Um, and it was basically the biggest lie of inbound marketing. Right? And, and so I believe this is a lot of where the genesis of this came from. Um, I'm making a lot of friends on this, on this podcast today, aren't I? <laughs> you know, and you remember the, the, the number came out, generate three times the leads at, 56% of the cost right, or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and everyone started, you know, so your cost per lead, we're going to lower your cost per lead. And, and so I was at, I was making this presentation to this um, professional services marketing organization. Someone asked me about, um, well, will that lower your, your cost per lead? And I said, well, define lead for me. Right. And, and so the biggest lie of inbound marketing is inbound, inbound marketing defines lead as a name in your database. Right? I mean, that's, that's an inbound. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right? Someone downloads something. That's a lead. Who gives a fuck? I can go out and get 10,000 leads for a thousand bucks. Oh, that's all. You know what? That's what happened too. I was talking to somebody. Someone had wanted me to talk to this guy who was starting, had this new product or whatever, and he was telling me, oh, yeah, yeah we're able to bring in leads, you know, a cost per lead of $10. We took this guy, and we took his cost per lead from $10, and we, from $100 per lead, and it's now down to $10 per lead. And I'm like, okay, well, well what, what's happened to his revenue? Oh, it's too early. Well, it's right, too early. What's too early? the outcome of that? Like, shit, I can bring his cost per lead down to 36 cents. Right. Right. Anybody that wants 36 cents cost per lead, send me an email um, and, and a PayPal for hell, a hundred bucks. I'll give you whatever 36 cents, 30, you know, I'll drop it down to 33 cents. You'll get 300 leads for a hundred bucks. So for every hundred bucks, send me, I'll give you 300 leads. Cause I'll source 300 names. I mean, there'll be legitimate leads, right? Because someone coming into your database is, is just someone coming into your database. You know, the, the, the myth, a, and we started doing it right away when, when we started adopting about marketing was we, we created a, a, a lead yield measurement. Um, and I started asking people, what's your lead yield? And you know what everyone said to me when I asked what they're, when I asked that question, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? It's exactly what they asked. I'm like, well, well of, of the hundred leads that you're generating every month from your, you know, your offers, et cetera, how many of those are qualified? How many of those fit your ideal client profile? You know what they said to me when I asked that? No idea. What's an ideal client profile? Yeah. I'm like, oh, 
right? And, and so the, the, the problem with metrics is what you measure matters. So be really careful what and about what you measure. Yep. Right. And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll share a story that goes back to Jack Welch, um, the, the famous CEO at GE before he became some crazy positive mental attitude guru, something or other. Um, and it's, it's funny if you ever read the Jack Welch stuff recently, but then you go back and you watch what Jack Welch did. You're like, these are two different people. Right. So pre-celebrity Jack Welch, when he was actually running a business, um, he came in and he took over GE, which was about the largest company from a sales perspective. I don't, I don't think it was the largest from a value perspective, but, but sales. And, and it was actually called a, it, it was nicknamed a GDP company. Basically it was that the company can grow only as much as the, economy, oh, no, it's, because, right, it's the because it is the economy. It's so big. That, right. And so that's when Jack Welch came out with his directive of first, second, or third in your market. If you're not first, second, or third, we'll fix the company to be first, second, or third, sell the company to somebody else. And if we can't fix it or sell it, then we'll shut it down. And that's when he earned the name Neutron Jack, or they called him Neutron Jack because the building still stood, but nobody was left. Right. They were empty, but they were still standing. This was literally his nickname in one. Um, then suddenly, like GE started stimulating growth. But here's what happened, right? All these division heads realized, because what you measure matters, and what you measure is going to be the game that people play. And so these division heads said, wait a second. He said it has to be first, second, or third in its market but he didn't say what market it has to be. So these division heads started artificially calling their market something, right? We don't sell- Gaming system, right. Game, absolutely. We don't sell jet engines. We sell jet engines to company with yellow in their logo. We're the number one jet engine selling company to companies that have yellow in their logo. Now, obviously, I'm. I'm exaggerating here, but they, they would do those kinds of things. Here's what these division heads didn't understand. That's exactly what Welch wanted him to do. Because they started narrowing their, their market by, by cup, you know, down to a customer segment. This is where one of my valuable thoughts, um, if you want to you know, narrow the focus, expand the yield. The tighter you focus on your market, the more you own the market, the more you begin to segment, you know, so stop differentiating your product, start differentiating your customers, right? Segment your customer base, you can own that customer base, right? And so it's stimulated to huge growth, right? So, so where they thought they were gaming the system, they actually weren't gaming the system. That was actually the intent. And one of the reasons why you know that was the intent is it ran its course to the point where the markets had been segmented. And then, so this was about 12 years after he made that announcement, somewhere around there. He said, now everyone must redefine their market so that they don't have, depending upon the, the industry. Um, I think the max was 20% and typically it was around 10 to 15%. So you don't have more than 10 to 20% market share. 
right? So, so they owned their market. They got growth from that. Then he said, okay, now we have to expand the market to be, so we're defining it so that we're back to being a smaller player and we can get that growth. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so my, my, my point here is that customer acquisition cost matters. Now, first off, it matters to people that are spending millions of dollars on customer acquisition and, and for the most part, it really matters to companies that are losing money because you're losing money. And if you're not controlling your cost of customer acquisition, then you're really in trouble. I can tell you factually that if you look at most, if you look at 97.36%, how's that for? That's, is that, yeah, is that, is, that, is that real? Whatever that's my research. you're going to tell. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's from my research lab. Right. <laughs> um, no, you know, I'll, the vast majority, of, the vast, vast, vast majority of small mid-market companies, their problem with customer acquisition is they're not spending enough. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know why they're not spending enough? Because either they, they don't know, they don't have the money, or they don't, or quite frankly, they don't, they they, they don't know where, they they don't know the right process to, to spend the money. Yeah, that might be true, but I'm telling you, for the most part, I I spend a whole lot more on customer acquisition. Right. The number one reason is because they don't have the money. I totally agree with that. And you know what would happen if I could increase what I spent per customer? You know what would happen to my my growth and profitability? It would would explode in a good way. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Right? And I, I see it all the time. The the biggest problem is we're underspending, and then everyone's running around saying, you've got to lower your cost of customer acquisition. Um. So, so customer acquisition, so there, there's, um, I did not create this philosophy, but someone did. All good things, all good things in moderation, right? That, that's what I say about customer acquisition costs, all good things in moderation. I want my customer acquisition, my, my, customer, my, my acquisition cost has to be below some level, right? Certainly it has to be less than 100%. Right. I would hope so. I know someone's going to start a fund somewhere and they're going to say, oh yeah, we're at 150% customer acquisition cost because our long-term strategy is here. Here, let me find you. Um, right, so it's got to be below a certain level. But if it gets too low, and, and I know a couple people who disagree with me and I've tried, I, I would love to have this conversation to, to, for someone to tell me where my flaw is, but um, if it gets below a certain level, it's, it's almost as bad as, as if it's too, too much. Right. Right. You know, when I was a financial advisor, one of the things that I did was I was one of the, I was one of the early, early financial advisors to bring Monte Carlo analysis um, to what we did. So, so the fundamental problem with how most financial advisors did financial planning was they looked and they said, okay, well, well, how are you going to be invested? Okay. Based upon this investment profile, this is what the average rate of return is. And then they would run a cash flow that you would get that rate of return. You would spend X amount of money and they would determine, do you have enough money to survive in retirement? The, the, the problem with it was, is that the stock market may average eight to 10% per year, but it rarely gets eight to 10% eight per, year. per year. Right. right. And, and, and by the way, the single most important thing, you know, if you want to have a really good retirement, if you're anywhere close to having enough money, the, the number one most important thing is don't have a bad first three years in your investments in your retirement, right? Because if you have a bad first three years, you're screwed. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so what Monte Carlo analysis did was it didn't just run that number. It ran a simulation a thousand times. And it said out of these thousand simulations where we took into account the standard deviation and dispersion, this is how many times you ran out of money. This is how many times you had like, you know, we, we would define how much money would you need to have in the bank before you would start to get nervous. Right. So from zero to that number would be the target zone. And above that was, was the too much zone. And so I worked with some very high net worth people. And one of the ways they got high net worth was they earned a lot more money than they spent. And so when they moved into, you know, as they transitioned into retirement, they didn't get crazy. And so they, they didn't need as much money as they had. And so, you know, this showed that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to run out of money. You're going to have a hundred million dollars when you, when you pass away, most likely. But, but here's the problem. What do you call somebody who dies with $100 million? They're still dead. You call them dead, <laughs> right? The question is, though, like, because the $100 million, now it would be one thing if the $100 million was guaranteed, right? But, but if you said, look, I, my bank account can't ever get below $2 million, right? If I start getting, and, and, and to, you know, 30, 40 years from now, $2 million is not a lot of money if you, if you factor in inflation. You know, so if I get below $2 million, like, like so I, I have $5 million. Like this would be, actually would be typical. I have $5 million. As long as it never goes below what I started with, I would be okay. So we would say, okay, you die with $5 million. Um, now, if you had a charitable cause that you really cared about or something else, maybe you'd want more because you'd want to leave money in places, but we would define $5 million. Oh, well, this says you're going to, you know, you're going to have a hundred, you know, 37% of the time you have a hundred million dollars or more. Well, does the difference matter? No, it's not gonna have any impact on your life. So, so here's what that meant. It meant that while the vast majority of times you were not just okay, you were more than okay. If we, if we got less aggressive, well, you wouldn't end up with a hundred million dollars but you would lock in like there'd be a 0.2% chance that you would run out of money. And the so you would run was, out of money or you'd fall below the 5 million, right? Right, but, but our point was that you were taking too much risk, right? So if the money doesn't matter, if it's not gonna have an impact on your life, then let's start taking risk off the table, right? And so let's run through this analogy. I, have a, I, I just invented a new machine. Every dollar you put into the machine, it gives you $10 back gives you $10 revenue, a customer that gives you $10, right? So your customer acquisition cost is a dollar or 10%, right? How many dollars will you put into my new machine? As many as I can get. Okay. So you start putting money in, then all of a sudden this sign pops up and says, bing, 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 out of money. Sorry. Now you're mad. But a minute later, another machine comes in and it says, give me $2 and I'll give you $10. So now your customer acquisition cost has doubled. You're now spending $2 per customer, 20%. How many, do- how many $2? How many times do you put $2 in my machine? As much as I can get. You can, right? Now, at some point, because it's not guaranteed, at some point that stops mattering. Mattering. That stops to matter. To matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. But so, so I'm talking to somebody that, that we did a project for them, but we never actually, um, 
implemented a, you know, a, a full program for them because they were spending, you know, X dollars per customer and I'm not going to do anything that will increase. I'll only do something that will lower my cost of customer acquisition. And, and I showed them, I'm like, well, first off, your economic model says you should be spending somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 18 to 22%. You're spending about nine to 10%. Right. And, and further, if, so, so like if we went up to 15%, you would still be well ahead of what your economic models told you. And I said, well, here's my question. How many more customers would we be able to unlock if we, um, we added another salesperson so that each salesperson could handle fewer opportunities, but could handle them more deeply um, that we spent a little bit more effort in the upfront education so that we, unlocked and captured people who aren't who aren't being captured right so right now what you've done is you've built this really nice place of you're capturing this really low-hanging fruit and god bless you you want to capture as much of it as you can but there's another bit of fruit that's a little bit higher right still well worth the risk adjusted return here's my question why would you not go after that is there any reason i'm, I'm pretty well, either do I have the money? Well, right. Okay. Do I have the money? Which they had, right? There was. Yeah. Right. But you, you, you get what I mean? So if you get, now there's, you know, we have a friend who's, who's, who's really on the, the low cost customer acquisition kit. And, and he says it's efficiency. And he says that if you can get it down to zero, um, that, that you have an advantage. And I go, what's your advantage? He said, well, no one can, I can get customers for less than you can get customers. I go, yeah, but I can just spend more money than you and still be ridiculously profitable. Because if, if you start defining yourself by the cost of, and, and, and I would say, if you start telling your people cost of, cost of, cost of. Then that's going to be the culture, well, that's going to be the culture of, Everything. Who, yeah. Who's the one that says, hey, let's, let, let, let's jump there, right? And then how are you going to capture higher dollar values, right? Like how can, like if, I'm, if my um, average sale value is $5,000 and I want to get it to $15,000, well, why, you know, assuming that there's not some huge shift in, 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 the, in the profit margin, of course it's going to cost more money, right? And so now you have this bullshit metric all around it's tech. Not gonna allow you, it's not going to allow you to go after that. Well, after the ad, but now you have this freemium thing. Yeah. That is, that is bullshit Ponzi. It's a Ponzi scheme. Um, now, I'm not anti-freemium, right? I think it makes sense. You know when I think it makes sense? When it makes sense, right? <laughs> um, How's that for some insight? That, that's, how I, that's why I'm a consultant, right? Um, but so we launched a freemium model and we've lowered our customer acquisition costs. You know what my answer is? You know what my, my, my comment is to that? Go ahead. I sure as hell hope so. It should not cost you a lot of money to get somebody for free. For free. Right now, 
I come out and I show this really low customer acquisition cost, right? Remember when daily average users was the metric? Yep. Right. And so what did people do for daily average users? Right. What did, what did our friends at Pied Piper do to increase their daily average users? Right. Right. Because so now we have this customer acquisition cost and we're saying, see, my, see, we have a freemium model. We've absolutely ridiculously lower our customer acquisition cost, except for the fact that you're not accounting for the cost of your product in your customer and acquisition cost, but your, but your product is now the marketing. So how is that not, how, how is that not factored in? Well, it's not factored in because I get to report to investors this, like, see, that's why I love Warren Buffett. It's actually why I love Warren Buffett. You know what Warren Buffett cares about? Profit. You know, he doesn't actually care about profit. Well, clearly I had that one wrong. <laughs> no, I'm letting everyone think about it. Cause like that's, he doesn't think he doesn't care. about. He cares about cash over X period of time. Why does he own all of the reinsurance companies? Cause he said we may lose $5 billion one year, but we'll make 15 over five. And you're scared shitless about losing $5 billion. And I don't care cause I'm here for a while. Yeah. And at the well, end of the well, day. Absolutely. Right? Well, we've had this discussion numerous times where, I mean, the, everybody is so focused on 90 day, 90 day, 90 day. Some more and more companies are getting focused more and more 30 day, 30 day, 30 day, 30 day. And this, but, but this is the same thing with the cost of acquisition of what you just said. If I want to take my average sale price from 5,000, I want to go after the $15,000. I got to be willing to fuck my CAC cost. I got to actually increase that to go after the $15,000 market. Well, and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, if you look at a company and this is what happened to the manufacturers too. If you look at a company and you say, wait, look at how efficient it is, but it's not translating to, to total dollars coming up because guys, at the end of the day, we spend money. We don't spend margin. We spend dollars. We spend, we spend currency, right? And, and by the way, that's what Buffett, you, you look at the, the, the things that Buffett loves to own. He loves, he calls them lumpy profits. He said, people overpay for consistent profit. Quarter after quarter after quarter. Like you will just they'll ridiculously overpay. Hey, we're okay that we make the money one year every five, if it's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I knew a guy, he made $2.6 million personally a year. He had a, um, he had a, we had a company, I think he had like eight or nine people in the company. They were open 12 months a year. He made money one month a year and he lost money 11 months a year, but he made $2.4 million personally. Guess what? He was doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I'm sure that some consultant came and told you, you got to even out your profits. You got to even this out. You got to do right. right. And, and, and so, and, and again, please, I'm not saying, Hey, just spend money willy nilly. I, I am telling most, again, most, most people listening to this, most people that are, are running their businesses, your problem is you are not spending enough money to acquire the customer. Um, and you keep thinking about how do I get more efficient with it? You're going to the wrong place. Right. And, and, 
going back to what I was saying about manufacturing, if I see efficiency, but I don't see the output of dollars, then I take that company over because I say, well, hell, it's either worth more being broken up or, well, let, let's, let's put this into it. Yeah, we'll spend a little bit more money because the only thing anybody should care about is the return on capital employed, right? What's it take to put into the company? And, and by the way, this is something else I don't care. I can increase my cost of customer acquisition. I can increase the profitability of my customers. I do not have to put another dollar into my company to do that because the return is still fast enough or, or the total profitability, whatever. I don't have to put more money into it. So I'm not putting any more capital into the company. I'm increasing the output, the return of the company because I'm increasing my, my, my cost of acquisition. Why would I not do that? Right. 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 That, that's why stocks don't return 76% per year because the stock that returns 76% per year that has any chance of doing it again gets bought more and more, you know, people buy it and until the price goes higher and, right. and, and keep running it up. Right. Yep. Right. Because, because it would be foolish not to do that. Right. And so cost, like everything else needs to be in a band. Right. If I'm spending less than this, then I'm missing opportunities. What's my opportunity cost, which no one calculates. Right. They calculate their customer acquisition cost, but like we talked about, it's all bullshit. Right. Um, you know, so, so it, 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 it needs to be less than this. It's same thing with closing rates. You show me a salesperson with a closing rate of 80%. I'll show you a salesperson who's leaving money on the table or is lazy. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't think a sales rep should, I get nervous if a sales rep's closing rate gets above about 60%. I think the, the band is 33 to 60%, less than 33%. Well, we're, you know. Focusing on a little bit of too much of the. Yeah, we're, 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 not, we're not capturing. Right. right. Yeah. All, right. All right. We're, either, we're either focusing on the wrong things or we're losing. We get above, we, we get above 60%. Well, shit, we probably either need to do something to increase our pricing or you know what? You need to. You're, you're kind of playing too much to your comfort zone. Yeah. Go, go out and make something happen because to not, um, and, and there are exceptions in certain sales situations of anyone saying, well, here's, you know, but right. So, so you have that ban. Same thing about cost per lead. Well, well, you cannot have cost per lead. Cost per lead is a meaningless number unless you have absolutely defined what a lead is. And, and candidly, what we, I talk about this in other places, you should have, you should map out the waypoints to a sale, to a, what causes sales. Well, yeah, what it, right, absolutely. So it, not only what the cost per lead is, but what is the outcome per lead? Well, and, and, and so what, what you need to have is waypoint one, two, three, four, five, right? We could call that qualified lead, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead opportunity, right? Like if you have distinct definitions along that path, then your cost per lead means something because you're also, it's not just am I lowering my cost per lead, um, what, what's the conversion? But the other thing is, what's the profitability of my cost per lead? And I would argue to, to the person who's out there saying that if we lower, that gives us a competitive advantage. I, I actually disagree. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, let's also do this, right? Because we're also not talking about cost. If, if you're going to focus on cost of customer acquisition, 
as the key metric of efficiency, then you better also tell me what's your cost of customer retention. Because one of the other things I've learned is if I spend more money to acquire the customer, they if I spend around. more money in year one, I can spend a whole lot less money in year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Right? Right. I mean, that is why, you know, a lot of VCs focus on lifetime value of the customer so that they can get those kind of. But, but, but they're focusing on lifetime value, which I think is the metric, right? I think lifetime value yeah. is what matters. But if you're focusing on cost, if it's the cost of customer acquisition over lifetime value, okay, that's fine. What's it cost to retain that lifetime value? Right. Yep. Right. If I'm less efficient in acquisition, maybe I'm more efficient in retention and my acquisition is six months and my retention is 10 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and so all I'm saying is that when someone says you need to increase this, you need to decrease this, I'm saying run away from those people because if the context isn't clear, right. Just like, I, just like I would say to, to one person that you need to take more risk, right? Hey, I, well, you know, I'm only three or four years away from retirement. I don't think I can take that level of risk with my investments. Well, let me tell you, with, the, you, know, with you buying all bonds, you have a 98.6% chance you're going to run out of money seven years into retirement. I have to tell you, to me, that's risky. <laughs> right? The fact that you might have, now, the fact that, that, that if you do that, your worst year, you're down 8% versus if you do this other thing, your worst year, you're down 35%. You're not retiring that year. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not, you're, not, you're not dying that year. It's not like all done, right? You've got to get through that. So, and, and I said to the other person, you're going you're gonna to have $100 million. Let's, let's start taking some money off the table. Let's start locking some shit in. Right. So, so the same thing is I, I want to be efficient to a point. Right. My, my, I, I think it's awesome. Your cost of cost per leads coming down, your cost of customer acquisitions coming down. That is great. That is showing you that in this area of your business, you become really efficient. Now I promise you if that stays and that market grows enough to sustain your growth, someone's coming in. Someone's coming in. Yep. And, and, and the competitive yeah. environment is going to get tougher and, and you're going to miss it. Right. Yeah. But, but even outside of that, well, well, great. That's awesome. Now's your opportunity to find what's that next aspect of growth, because we all know whatever you're making money at today, whatever is causing you to be ridiculously, well, I don't want to say profitable because right? whatever is draw, you know, whatever is causing people to buy from you in massive numbers. I mean, think about it. Right. What, marketing automation is what, 10 years old tops? Yeah. Re remember, yeah. who was it that came out with the first autoresponder and that was marketing automation? Like not yeah. just a single autoresponder. Hey, you can schedule six emails automatically. Remember that? And, oh my God. What? Right. Now that's free. Right? Look, look, look at you know, I don't want to name names because it's going to sound like I'm, I'm either fanboying or, 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 or picking on, but, but look at some of the top name companies and, and see what it is that, that, you know, how much of what was their business five years ago either isn't even their business anymore or is 
you know, scraps and table stakes, right? That's, yep. and that's, that's not news to anybody. Um, and, and so again, cost matters, but cost only matters to the level of what is your economic, uh, of, you know, what is your economic model? And your economic model says that there's a band where this should be. And if you get too hot or you get too cold, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I'll give you another example, Starbucks. Right? Starbucks is a place where it wasn't the cost of customer acquisition that killed them, but it was the same thing. It, it was actually the cost of retention. Because they, you know, Schultz retires. Um, operators come in and they go, well, well, wait a second. Look at how much money we're spending on roasting, right? We got all these roasting, like regional. Hey, you know what? We can, we can freeze pack this in this new way that actually seals in the taste better. We've run taste tests. The coffee even tastes better because, and the beans last longer and we can cut our cost of production and this and, and for two or three years, man, Starbucks is getting more efficient, more efficient, more efficient, right? And, and they were hailed, right? Until one day someone stopped going and all of a sudden the loyalty began to disappear. And, you know, that led to the Schultz letter of we're commoditizing ourselves. Well, you, well, we freeze packed it. Well, guess what? You used to walk into a Starbucks and it smelled like coffee. Now it doesn't right. smell. Now it smells like the guy who's been sitting there for 17 hours and hasn't taken a shower in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> right um and and so and not, you're right they, they were commoditizing their sell, themselves and the competitors came back whether that be you know dunkin donuts and you know you're seeing that they came back in full force yeah and 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 so if you know it goes back to our agile to, to what i talked about agile cost per cost of doesn't mean anything if it's not in context to what is the economic model and what is the, and, and what is the outcome. And, and if you're measuring a metric in only one direction, um, you're probably allowing yourself to miss some pretty important components around, around your business. Um, now, our audience, I know my audience, my, my customer base, is not the, we've gone out and raised a hundred million dollars. And you know, my, my customer base is primarily, and I think yours is, is primarily this too. Um, I could be wrong, but it, you know, it's the, I mean, my, my customer base is, is, was founded by the person who's running the company. It, that, that's probably about 60% of my clients. The, the rest are, are mid market private equity um, owned companies, right? Which is, you know, different than, than, than venture where, where, where return and profit and, and the value of the business is highly functional on, on the total profits of the company. But well, and actually it's the profits and the growth rate of profits, which is interesting because it's the profits and the growth rate of profits, not the margin and the growth rate of margin. And there's very few people who worship at the altar of margin as much as I do. But, but I do acknowledge that when I talk to my banker, when I have to write a check to pay my mortgage, um, they make me write actual dollars, not margin. Hey, look, I know that I'm supposed to pay you a thousand. I can only pay you a hundred, but it's going to be a much higher margin. Margin. Right? They don't. They don't. They don't go for it, right? But you hey, start having a conversation with your banker and see what they, see what they say. Uh, 
they hung up on me last time I tried. Right? <laughs> and and so here's when someone is telling you about uh, Jim Rohn. My favorite quote from Jim Rohn is, "Be careful when someone tells you they're manufacturing antiques." Think about that for a second. Yeah. And that's what this, this whole, oh, it's not about profit. It's not, a, and, and by the way, guys, what is profit? You know, you know what they say, right? Profits for show, cash flows for debt. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's about at the end of the day, and this is where I'm, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm now get out of my, get off my lawn, right? It's about cash flow. And, and you know what, if you're the unicorn that's, the, the, you know, that's going to raise money and, 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 and do whatever you do. And for 17 years, you're not going to make any money because it's not smart for me to make money. Right. Okay, cool. I get it. Right. But you're playing a game that, that 1% of 1% of 1% of companies should be playing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so whatever, who, who who's the math person here? What's 1% of 1% of 1%? 0.001%. I think it's less than that. I think it's like yeah, five, right. zeros. Five, five zeros. Yeah, five it's zeros. Like five zeros. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So maybe, maybe it's only 1% of 1%. So 0.001. Yeah. Let's go with 0.001. Yeah. Maybe I got, got a little zero of a thousand. Kind of, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Germans. Germans in Bumper Harbor. Shut up. He's on a roll. <laughs> Right. So, so you're playing a game of one, you know, they're playing a game that 1% of 1% should be playing. But if you look up all the best practices around all of this stuff, what percentage does one-tenth of a basis point? That's what it is. It's one-tenth of a basis point. Everyone quick, go run to your dictionaries and look up what a basis point is. Um, it's it's one-tenth of one one tenth. That shows how old you are, Doug. If you said dictionary, ten percent of a bit. How about I really screw people? Ten percent of a bit, right? What percentage of the best practice oxygen does ten percent of a bit of the market consume? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're. I mean, their best practices for the most. Like, if you try to look up best practices, you look up, any, you look up any, all the benchmarking that's out there. It's all dominated by those by, by people who are playing that game. Is it not? No, it is absolutely. Yeah, and so that's what my whole conversation around how you look at cost, cost per customer acquisition cost. Absolutely, positively, no question about it. It is important to know because you need to know your economic model, but it's the economic model that, you know, what is the objective? What's the outcome that you are looking for? What's the economic model that's gonna drive that? That should drive your decision-making. Amen. That's all I have to say about that. Oh, and I got shot in the buttocks. <laughs> my favorite Forrest Gump line. I know exactly where that was coming from. Thanks, Doug. Uh, you know, the, no, sad thing is, the sad thing is, 
I think half of sales people and marketers today don't know, you know, we're not around for Forrest Gump. I'm like, they were probably alive. Yeah. But they didn't go see the movie. So. Well, what's interesting is I said, I was making fun of you about a dictionary and I said, go Google it. Well, probably a lot of marketers and salespeople today are like, oh, I'm just going to go ask Siri or Alexa. We could I was going to say, how do you, how do you feel about Alexa? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I like. Yeah. I don't, I don't like Alexa or, or Siri very much. Although they just heard us say that. So um, be careful. All right. Well, I'm going to be reaching out about those. Uh, you, you said you could get me a, uh, 300 Fuck leads it. for 100 bucks. I can bucks. get you 300 leads for 100 bucks. No problem. Hey. And anybody listening, I actually can outbeat Doug. I will get you I will get you 1,000 leads for 100 bucks. There you go. You got two options. Yeah. My leads will be legitimate leads. Unquestionably. Yeah, absolutely. Mine will be as well. It's a, we'll and, 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 and they'll all have buyer intent. Yep. All righty, Mike. Welcome back from Jamaica, man. Thanks, my man. My, I mean, I mean, my mom. Um, my mom. Hey, mom. Until next year, the uh, to the Caps and uh, oh, brutal. It's baseball season, anyways. Yeah, exactly. Who I cares heard. about who cares about hockey? Student sport. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Black Line Podcast.